Welcome to this episode of the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Blissbrook. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools on blissbusiness.com. I'm excited tonight to uh, interview Dana Collins. She's one of my favorite superstars and heroines in the network marketing profession. She's a 19-year veteran, and her story is amazing. It's a story of great persistence and overcoming great adversity and building an enormous empire. With all uh, heroes calls, we focus the interview on some different things than most interviews. I'm going to ask Dana to tell us her story, and we're going to really focus on you know, how she first got introduced, who introduced her, and, you know, what was said, and why was she interested, and then we're going to kind of drill down on what she did the first 90 days, and she has some interesting obstacles that I want you guys to all hear about, and we're going to talk about what she did in her first four years, which might surprise you, her first four-year career, (laughs) the, the, the super Dana Collins, and then we're going to talk about what she did in her second four-year career, and uh, that will be uh, really, really inspirational. So, Dana, thank you for carving time out at 9 o'clock at night on a, on a Wednesday to spend some time with people from all over the world who want to hear your story. Well, thank so. you, Richard, for, in, for inviting me. And um, I just want to say just thank you for all that you have done to really um, make this profession something that we can all be proud of. Um, You are one of my heroes. You always represent this, um, the industry and the profession of network marketing in a way that um, I just, I hope that I I will follow in your footsteps and make an impact. Just, I, I mean, I don't, I can't imagine making the impact that you've made, but maybe just a little bit in that direction because um, your integrity and um, just your commitment is, it's inspiring. And um, that's why there are so many people on this call, because you're trusted and you're loved. And to be on this call f- with you on your birthday is just an incredible honor. So thank you. Wow. You get really great accolades on your birthday, don't you? That's special. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you don't turn 29 very very often. <laughs> Once right. in a you're lifetime, right? right? You're right. You're right. All right, well, let's dive into it. So here's my first question, Dana Collins. Tell All these right. people how you first heard about uh, Arbonne, how you first heard about the opportunity, who exactly told you about it, and what did they say? And I, I might, like, interrupt you a little bit and guide you because there's some specific details that I want everybody to hear out of this. So, But just dive in and tell us the first part of your story about how you were introduced where you were, what you were doing for a living, and all that stuff. Okay. Well, my my story actually starts before I found Arbonne. And if you can imagine, it's 3 in the morning, and your phone rings. And, of course, 20 years ago, this was the day before cell phones, so it, it wasn't that, you know, 3 in the morning you're being pocket dialed. Because uh, for some of you on the phone, you, you, like you've never had a landline because you're too young to know what one of those might be. But we had these things with cords that um, were attached to our wall called landlines. And uh, I picked up the phone because it was 3 in the morning and your heart's racing. And at the other end of the call was a friend of mine and she was sobbing and she just couldn't talk. So my immediate thought was something tragic had happened in her life. When she was finally able to speak, she said, you know, today is my last day of maternity leave. I'm, I'm putting John into daycare, and he's only six weeks old. And this was a defining moment in my life for me because with that phone call, I, I really became aware of the dilemma being faced by so many of my peers who were starting to have children, which is that healthy finances often meant sacrificing time with children and leaving them before, you know, you're really ready to do so. Um, And for those of you who are outside of the United States, you might not be able to relate to that, but in the States, we we have very little time with our kids when they're born. Um, So, so, you know, and so for 
you know, other, so, so it just, it was just one of those defining moments, Richard, and it changed my life. And I, I decided in that moment that the biggest lie ever told was that you could have a career and a family and be good at both. I didn't, I wasn't aware there were alternatives because I was raised in the world of go to school, get a good job, and you'll, you'll be taken care of. Um, if you've read The Four-Year Career, which um, if, if you're not using that book yet, I strongly recommend that you do uh, I- implement that book in your business because it's really made a difference in my business, and I'll, I'll talk about that later. But um, if, you've, if you've read my story in The Four-Year Career, you know that I started out in fashion design, and yes, The Devil Wears Prada is not a – it's real. That is a biography. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so I – you know, I, I – I went into that world, and it was just a, a grind. It was a horrible, horrible thing, and um, and just just I was I would work ridiculous hours, um, and I decided that I wasn't if I was going to work those kind of hours, then I would go into the traditional world and go into sales because at least I, I'd get commission for my effort. And what I learned there is that at the drop of a hat, I would get a change in my territory, my co- the comp plan would get changed, that there was somebody else always pulling the strings. And so even though I thought I had um, created a little bit of leverage, I, I soon realized that in order to make more money, I had to work more hours. That was just the paradigm of the business model of the corporate world. The stress of my work week was so high, I called Sunday night the abyss into Monday. And it was in the process, I, I, I quit that sales job because I thought, I, I don't want, this is not what I want to do. And so it was in the process of finding my next job that I found Arbonne. Um, my first response was no way. Um, hey, in my mind, stop, stop for a second. Go back. Tell us who approached you. How did you know okay, her? Okay, I'll tell you that in a second. I didn't know her. Um, okay. I, 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 the person who shared, and I was going to, that was the next point. I, you know, I, 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 um, I was, Literally, I, my first response was no way, and that was because I had just, just hours before that, that encounter meeting this network marketing professional, my first, my first encounter, um, two hours prior, I was in the final interview after being unemployed for six months. I was in the final interview for this position that I'd been. This it was something that I'd interviewed with for six months. It was a company. I'd finally gotten the, the, the last, to the last stage where I had to present to the president of the company. And it was in that stage that they said, you have the job. We will give you your offer. Your offer will come on Monday. So six months of, un- of, of, of no income, job offer. Cup, I, 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 a couple hours later, I meet this Arbonne person. And the only reason I met her is because the stress of I don't know if anybody's ever experienced this, but you're you're in you're just you're you're in get it done mode to get ready to leave for vacation, and you're just going going going, and it's just the next thing, the next thing, and then you go on vacation and you finally get sick because your body has time to do so. When I left this interview, I had just I had just this reaction. Uh, on like my skin, it it, it it looked like somebody got in a fight in it. And I, my girlfriend picked me up, and I took out a pair of tweezers. This, I can't believe I'm telling this to people all around the world. But I took out a pair of tweezers, and I'm like picking at my face with them to try to look okay. And she just, my girlfriend, who was we were going out to celebrate, picked me up, and she said, Dana, I really think that we need to go and um, – like maybe get some products on your face or just maybe you could get a facial or you could do something because um, you just really look like you could use that. And what she was basically saying was, I don't want to be seen with you. You look like crap. So we went to the convention center in Philadelphia because that's where we were because they were having an estheticians conference. It was Friday night. Walk in the doors, and at that very moment, there's something on the loudspeaker, and it says, all estheticians come to the, you know, Ben Franklin Ballroom. Well, that meant that there was not going to be anybody that I could talk to about what was happening on my face. And there were only a few booths that were still manned. And of course, they were network marketing companies. And I just picked one. And uh, 
this woman and I started to chat, and she started to kind of help get some product on my skin. In fact, it was more than just get product on my skin. She ran to CVS and bought a bucket and a sponge, and it was like a car wash trying to fix me. And in this process, we started to talk, and um, I, I, she, she offered me the opportunity. And all she said was, have you ever thought about owning your own business? That was it. Well, I put my hand up so fast, I think I gave her whiplash. I was not interested. There is no way in the world that I was going to walk away from a guaranteed income. Like, why would I do that? Why would I, why would I give up money that was a definite to go do something that was not a definite? I needed money, and I needed it yesterday. So I just... I wasn't even polite. I, I was actually quite rude. I got some products. I left. I was just, you know, I, I was probably what people are afraid of. They're going to experience. But a conversation the very next day with my mother changed everything. She asked me one simple question when I said to her, what do you want to do in five years? Where do you want to be? Because my mother knew, knew pretty well what I where I, what I wanted in my life and what she saw was that I really wasn't heading, I wasn't choosing my path. My path was kind of choosing me. And my response was that I was, in five years I was going to quit my job and stay home with children. She started to laugh hysterically. Like, like she was laughing so hard that I was, I was mad. I was just like, can't you be happy for me? Like, like what, what is your problem? And she said, your husband is never going to let you quit if you make the kind of money that they're going to pay you. You are getting ready to put on golden handcuffs. Are you ready to do that? Where do you really, what do you want to do with your life? And it was like, it was like a lightning bolt. I, I just, the person that introduced me to network marketing just popped into my head. And I realized that she shared with me products, but she also shared with me her life like I, I during the our conversation it was pretty clear she had five kids in college richard can you imagine i mean you can but most people <laughs> could i mean most people can you imagine spending that much money every month and so i'm like so they what kind of you know i'm thinking okay they're in like votech and community yeah, just maybe very inexpensive schools and she had one in ivy league she had one overseas so this was not a low budget endeavor and of course, I asked her, "What does her husband do? What do her? What does her family do?" Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where this money is coming from, because up until that point, I saw this kind of a business as a way to make extra money, not significant income. And it, it, it was like in that moment, you know, where am I going to be five years from now? It all came together for me that that her husband was a retired high school teacher, he wasn't paying those bills, that this network marketing business that I had dismissed so quickly was more than I was willing to look at until um, I really took a look at my life and where I was going. And it was in that moment that I realized that she had what I wanted, which was both a career and an opportunity to be with her family because we we talked about her kids, and it was really clear that she was a significant player in raising those children. So she was present in their lives and had great relationships with her kids. It was so clear. But in that moment in, in meeting her, Richard, I was so fixated on immediate income that I couldn't see past um, the the moment. But my mother's question made me think, um, long term, it, it, and 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 think about you know something that you're passionate about, which is what is my vision for my life, and my vision for my life and what I was doing, they weren't lined up, and so I called this woman and said, if you can show me how I can make money, and if you can show me how I can make great money, I'm in, and um, I didn't take this job and I got started in network marketing. Okay, so um, how many days was it? after the show where uh, she gave you the facial and she asked you if you'd like to start a business that you were talking to your mom? It was the next day. The next day. So yeah, actually so your mom provided the follow-up that maybe this Arbonne distributor would have had she had the chance. Yeah. And so, you know, a lesson here for everybody is 
You know, I know if you've been to any training at all, you've heard that no doesn't mean no. It really just means for most people, not now. Like, based on what you're saying to me, what I'm hearing right now, what's going on in my life right now with my job, my family, my finances, my parents, whatever, maybe my own personal health, I can't hear you. I can't focus on what you're saying. I can't give it the attention that it requires to make a good decision, and it just doesn't sound like a good idea at the moment. But rarely does it mean no forever. And so your story, I mean, it would be great to interview your sponsor to, to ask her, what were you thinking after you asked Dana if she'd like to own her own business, and she just blew you off? Like, what kind of negative thoughts were you having or positive thoughts, and were you going to follow up on her? It's a great lesson for everybody. Your mom did the follow-up. Your mom provided the breakthrough, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. So you went back to her, and you said, show me how to make some big money, well, and actually, she did that. I, I drove back here. This is the crazy part is that, so this was a Friday night. I, w- I had dinner with my mother Saturday night, and um, I called my recruiter Sunday morning and said, I'm not going to take this position, and she said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to, I'm going to start this skincare business with this company. And she was like, what? You're out of your mind. And she said, and I said, I'm, I'm going back to Philadelphia because I lived in Maryland. So it was about an hour and a half away. And I said, I'm going to drive back to Philadelphia and I'm going to uh, sign up. And she said, well, let me go with you before you do anything rash. So we, so she actually picked me up because my my car didn't my my air conditioning was broken in my car and it was May and it was hot, so she drove me and we got there and the person that I had sat with who inspired me with her story wasn't there, and um, and uh, well she she was she 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 was there but she was not at the at the booth, and um, I picked up somebody else's application. And my girlfriend said, well, I'll, I'll do some research, but I think you're making a really big mistake. Uh, but let me do some research. And uh, that Monday, she went to her office because she was a recruiter, and she did some research, and she came back. It was like 5 o'clock on that Monday. And she said, I really need you to sit down. And I thought, oh, no, she's going to tell me that the owner of the company like drives a, an Eldorado, wears a purple suit, and a white <laughs> hat with a feather and lots of gold chains. And she said, um, uh, just, uh, she goes, uh, I quit my job. I'm doing this. This is awesome. So that was how I got my first recruit. And we signed the applications and faxed them in because in those days we didn't have Internet. Right, right. And we faxed in our applications to someone who was also brand new in the business. And this person had no idea because we picked them up off the table that they had, and this person had no idea that we had signed up, and we were so we, we had no clue that we that there was this thing called an upline, and that there was there was support that you were in business for yourself, but not by yourself. We were the only two people engaged in this opportunity in our state. So and and there was no website there. Conference lines were expensive, so people didn't do conference calls. So there wasn't really anything to plug into. It was the blind leading the blind. So I got my kit from the company, and it had some some pages in it. They were from a copier. And it was 25 reach-out methods. And the reach-out methods had been copied. They were crooked. So I only had 10 out of the 25. And they were things like go to McDonald's, get ketchup cups, and put products in so you can give samples to your friends. <laughs> I mean, these are this is I swear I'm not making this up. Uh, put um, make a box with a you know with a with sign with a you know how like they get, like a pad on the front where people can enter to win a free facial. And these were the suggestions. So that was that was how I started my business. It was it was truly um, my 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 recruiter and I. And it was dumb and dumber in trying to navigate this world of network marketing with our half Xerox sheet of ideas. 
So <clears throat> the lady that first introduced you to Arvon, the lady that gave you the first facial, did she end up being in your upline or was she yes, just she sharing Yes, she was my upline. She was okay. my upline, yes. And, okay. um Yes, and, and she, she's still a huge mentor in my life. So 20 years later, she's um, uh, one of my – my my dear friends mentor and um just we've we've you know we've worked side by side for the last 20 years so awesome. uh, we're all part of the same team so it, it wasn't you know like oh my gosh she lost out on a huge thing she didn't okay. all right tell us about your first 90 days what happened your first 90 days sounds like you were remote um you know 20 years ago you didn't have the systems that you have today you didn't have a website you didn't have the internet. You don't have conference calls. You don't have cell phones. So, what did you do to get started in that first ninety days? What kind of program did you have? Coaching did you have? And how many people did you sponsor? Okay, um, uh, we had no program. <laughs> we had our Xerox sheets. But um, so, so the first thing that we did was we went to the library and got out books on network marketing. And I spent a weekend reading everything that I could find in the library. And that uh, helped me get a grasp on the idea that I'm, I'm supposed to like build a team. Like I, 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 I got it, but for, for many people on the call, you can relate to this. You, you kind of get it, but you don't really get it. So I kind of got it. And I started calling people, and I started saying, I'm starting this thing, and I think it's going to be amazing, and um, I really like for you to take a look at it, and then you know, of course, I don't really know what I'm doing, and they start asking questions like, "So, well, you know, so you get a car? Yeah. Do you know anybody who gets? Do you know anybody with a car? No. Have you ever seen the car? No. Well, I, I used to get, you know, like, do people make these products in their bathtub? Like, how do you know it's a real company? <laughs> I mean, and I didn't. <laughs> I, didn't know. I, mean, I just, <laughs> I, I love the products. And I, um, I knew, I, I knew that network marketing was viable, and I certainly had, I did done some reading, and I, I you know, which is one of the reasons why I, I really like the four-year career, Richard, because I think if you can get a tool like this into someone's hand, um, it really validates the business model and explains the business model, so that people get that they're engaging in a real, uh, a real business, and. Uh, a business with a tremendous upside. And so, I mean, I knew that. I just didn't really know how to do it. And so in the first 90 days, I think maybe I sponsored three people. Um, it was my recruiter, a girlfriend. Um, actually, it was I, I take that back. It was four people, my, my, the person who cut my hair and um, a fourth person that I just um, I called out. I just basically called because I saw an ad that they had put in the paper and it was interesting, so I called them and okay. they signed up. So the first ninety days was not so stellar. What did it? What did your business look like by the end of the first year? By the end of the first year, I had reached the first level of management in my company. Um, I had sponsored quite a few people. In fact, um, I was one of the top sponsoring people in my company that year. But the, the thing was, is I had a sales background. I was great at convincing people to say yes. I didn't understand that my job wasn't to convince people. It was to just kind of tell people the story, give them the information, and help them find their fit. I would convince them that this was a good idea, and they would sign up, but they wouldn't do anything the only reason that I got to the, the level that I did, the first level, was because our all of these people, if the, you know, they, the products, um, the, I, I, I made sure that everyone was a was a was a product of the product, and right. they were using the product, and the products were good enough that even though people didn't engage in the business, they continued to reorder, and I, I think that's one of the most important things that we can do as network marketers is not to dismiss how important customers can be, especially to someone new who's still developing the skill sets. It's much easier to build a customer sometimes than to build a distributor. And enough customers will, will keep you uh, making enough money to keep you in the game long enough to build that skill set. And were were most of your customers, Dana, distributors that pursued the money initially, but then found out, 
quickly it they just weren't yeah. motivated enough and they gave up on the money but they yep. stuck on the products yep and that's still true today that is still true for me today uh i find that those are those people are the most loyal to the brand right because there's a difference between being a customer and then there's a, then uh, and like a retail customer versus somebody that's immersed in the culture of the company, even if they're only immersed for a month or two, they're on conference calls, they're studying the products and the story behind the company at a much deeper level than a customer is. Exactly. They may may end up giving up on the money, but then their customer commitment is much stronger because it's almost like they're a former member of the team, of the tribe, Mm -hmm. and... So they just know a lot more about the products. They were probably trying to sell the products. They were telling the story themselves. And so they're very convinced. And those are your best customers, people that join the business with the intention of building. And then at some point they give up. And that might be their first week or it might be sometime in their first year. But if you've got great products, if you've got products that are from a legacy company, you can build an empire just from people that actually end up giving up because there's going to be far more of them than mm-hmm. there are people like you that stuck with the business. Arbon back then, 20 years ago, like you said, Dana, had to be a challenge. It's a challenge to build when, you know, you go to the local meeting and there's, you know, five people at the meeting. It's mm-hmm. a challenge to build when part of your program is a white Mercedes and nobody has one. It's a challenge to build when you go to a, what's supposedly a, like a big event and there's hardly anybody there, or there's the same number of people there this year that were there last year. And so the attrition in the beginning of growing a company is huge because the belief indicators aren't there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the last 20 years with you and Arbon is, that's an epic story, just extraordinary, the adversities that you of all the leaders of Arbon have overcome to build an enormous company. And I imagine most of that growth has come in the last 10 years. Yes. It, it's, it's, um, you're, you're so right. And I think um, what, has, you know, what has been the difference has been, uh, you know, there's, it, it's, I remember I had a, it was a conversation I had with you, Richard, when you have um, a founder of a company who's really got a strong vision, and that vision is something that uh, other people can see, and they they, they buy into that vision, um, you, you're going to have a, just the, the loyalty that 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 creates is is incredible, and so we can and and so it's you know as a as a leader. One of the things that we need to do is make sure that we hold that vision and we nurture that vision and we communicate that vision regularly to our teams because this is a business that is it's it's it ebbs and flows you're going to have times of tremendous momentum followed by plateaus followed by dips, but that vision can keep you. Um, anchored through any business climate, and um, and I can say that that has absolutely been the truth for Arbon. Is um, we've we've always been a mission-minded company, and I, I know that um, that you know you've been you've instilled sort of that vision uh, with with uh, uh, with Life Shots, and you know the the people I know who are. You know, doing really well in your company. You know, they've they've they they they're they, they were attracted to your vision. They were attracted to what you saw, and they have become masters at communicating that as well. And so we can never forget how important sometimes um, things are that we we can't see, um, but but it's the the culture that 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 emanates from the vision. And culture, I, I, I was reading an article by Howard Schultz, and he said that culture is the most important thing that we create in our businesses. And maintaining that culture is um, more important than anything that he feels that he does 
for Starbucks. So um, I think that's what has been um, the, 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 the determinant for, for what has allowed Arbonne to see, you know, what is it, 35 years in business. It's, right. it's a so, commitment to the legacy and the culture. So, Dana, I think it would be valuable for people, and I, I, I imagine, I haven't asked you, but I imagine you're willing to talk about this. <clears throat> I think it would be valuable for people to hear um, what's happened for Arbonne in the last 10 years where, you know, a 35-year-old company that really just sort of plodded along for about 25 of those years and – you know, there's just a lot of groundwork being done, but not a lot of tremendous success. And then all of a sudden, about 10 or 12 years ago, Arbonne took off and skyrocketed, just became enormously successful, almost hit a billion a year in sales, and then had some pretty serious challenges after that, where the founder, you know, passed away and you know, a bunch of banks ended up owning the company, and had, then they pulled a lot of they pulled a ton of money out of it, and basically put the company into bankruptcy, even though it was still a very large company. And you guys actually worked through bankruptcy. Arbonne declared bankruptcy, a reorganization. It was public knowledge, and you all built through that. Sales dropped, I think, probably in half, and then you guys built through that and mm-hmm. bounced back so that sales a few years ago started growing again. Mm-hmm. That's just one of the most remarkable stories of vision and motivation and commitment and resilience. You know, when people talk about, well, it's, you know, I, I'm having a hard time, you know, talking to people about my business. Well, you know, how about if your business was filing bankruptcy? Where, how <laughs> would you figure out how to talk about it then? You got it, you got it, you got it way better than some people do. Yeah. So tell us, yeah. tell us briefly, Dana. What would that? What was that like? And what was it? I think you already spoke to it in terms of culture. But what was it that had you and Donna and you know Rita and so many other leaders work through that and lead the company back to prominence? Um, wow. Uh, you know. I guess um, it, 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 it really is the commitment to it, it's it's it, the commitment to a vision, the commitment to to what we're doing. Um, I, 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 it's it's you know I get this this question a lot, Richard. I get I get phone calls from uh, network marketing leaders and you know companies, and they'll call and they'll want to know. So how do we create? that kind of loyalty at a leadership level. And and I, 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 I wish that I had a formula, but I don't have a formula. And I think that it, it it's it's um it, it gets down to it gets down to what you value. it really gets down to the culture. I mean I, I don't the culture is sort of like it's like an invisible net that holds everything up, and it, it it's you know if if you're a leader or you know, if you're starting a business you are a leader. It's what kind of culture are you creating? You have to be aware of your culture. Um, and Richard, you and I have had conversations about this, but a culture where it's everything is about the income the income and there's a lot of hype that surrounds the business there's no loyalty that gets built to the culture of the company it's it's we're 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 building a sort of a, a mercenary mindset into the business when we interject too much hype um when we when we focus on large paychecks and and the superficial parts of the business. Uh, you, Rita Davenport would always say about Arbon that Arbon is a personal care comp, uh, is a personal development company disguised as a personal care company, and that was always the focus of Arbon is 
are you working on yourself? Are you working on yourself? In fact, I, I you know, I told you this the story about I, I was going to quit. I spent, you know, my my four year my my four years of education. I was the one that flunked out of college, and at the end of four years, I was ready to quit Arbonne. And I got a call from Rita Davenport, and she called me up. And she called me up. And she goes, "Hey Dana, it's Rita Davenport. You heifer." She called me a cow. And then she she continued, and she called me a cow three more times. And then she asked me a question. She said, not, you know, how many people are you talking to? Not um, how, many, how, many, how many presentations did you do? You know, I, you know and, I, and I've heard, you know, people say, uh, you know, when somebody calls me and says it's working, it's working, I tell them, draw a little square on their paper and then write that, write, and I want them to tell me, how many people did you talk to? I'm just asking for a number, write it in the box. You know, it, it was nothing like that. She asked me one question, tell me what you're reading. And I said, and, and some of you are going to cringe, I'm reading The Pelican Brief by uh, John Grisham. And I'll never forget that I was reading that book. And she started to laugh. And she goes, no, tell me what you're reading. And I said, I'm reading The Pelican Brief. And that's when I got another, you heifer, what are you reading to grow yourself? And I said, I don't need to grow, Rita. I'm fine. I just need to make money. <laughs> and yep. So heifer I, is I, a compliment, by the way, everybody. That's That's not a... Yeah, it's not. It's a, it's a term of endearment. I live in the South. It's a term of endearment. You you call you know you call your friends. You heifer. It's just it's, it's kind of like I, I don't know know what the equivalent would be in other parts of the world, but you know, here in Georgia, uh, South Southern United States, that's what we say. And Rita's from Tennessee, so uh, we have uh, we we speak Southern. So I, I wasn't insulted. It's just funny. Um, yeah, because I mean, in what other context can the president of a company, you know, call you up and call you a heifer? But um, it's really not in the corporate world. And and I, I you know, I, I love Rita Davenport. I've got pictures of her all over my office. She's just, I mean, that conversation again, one of those defining moments that came over the phone, which is why I, I still am a big proponent of phone calls and not texting because you know, calling somebody a heifer over text doesn't quite sound the same. But. <laughs> Um, but well, if we could encapsulate this, Dana, the sure. the, the difference that Arbon leaders have that some other companies don't have is every company that is successful goes through some sort of a growth spurt, mm-hmm. and maybe it lasts a year, maybe it lasts five years, and you know maybe it takes the company to a billion dollars a year, and maybe it just doubles or triples the company, but. As soon as the company, as the leaders start taking that growth and making that their marketing message, look how much money we're making, look how fast people are advancing, look how many people are at the meetings, you know, look at, you know, we're the fastest growing this or the fastest growing that. That's the kiss of death for any company because if you step back and you look at the history of network marketing and you look at all companies, all the companies that succeed, they all go through growth and recession, growth yeah. and recession. Mm-hmm. And so what do you tell people if your entire marketing message uh, has been, look how fast we're growing, mm-hmm. and then you're not growing anymore? Exactly. And I think, you know, one of the things that, that, Ar- that is to Arvon's credit is that's never been their marketing message. Their marketing mm-hmm. message has always been, we have extraordinary products, and we have extraordinary people, and we are a personal development program and we're a family, we're a tribe. And when you keep that your marketing message and that creates your culture, you can get through anything. And you guys got through the worst thing imaginable for a network marketing company other than, you know, actually going out of business. Yeah, so and tell here's, us- here's the other thing too, Richard. I'm going to add another element to that. And, 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 and this is, I, I think, so important is that, Donna Johnson is my best friend, and right. and uh, my other my my closest friends in life are in Arbonne, and they're my team members, my upline. So it, this is these relationships are not transactional. They're they're like they're like marriages. We're committed. Now they're they're always going to be people who come into your business and they leave. And that's okay. It's 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 the nature of the beast. But 
the the leaders, the 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 people, the the the, uh, the policymakers, the the drivers, the ones really getting things done in our company. We're all connected. We're friends. There's a there's a ton of respect. It's there's a, there's a unity, and when and I can tell you unequivocally that a lot of our challenges occurred when unity was broken. And um, and so one of the things that I would say to anyone who is you know, owns a network marketing company or makes decisions at a top level. It, 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 you know, there's a you know the strategy of sort of dividing people. Um, it, it's it's it can be it can be flawed uh, because it it's it's the relationships that we have together that we could you know hot coals stay hot. We could encourage one another. You know, we're sticking this out. We're committed. We're going to do this. We have grown this company before. We can do it again, and we share ideas. We we um, we sh- we share training. We are, um, you know, it's, it's, if, if I have done something that you think is good, you can have it. In fact, I created the first system with Randy Gage's help um, uh, for building a business because we didn't have a system. And I spent uh, quite a bit of time traveling to other teams teaching that system, people that I would never get paid on because we are one, we are one team. Arbonne is one team. And, if, and, and it's learning to see that your company, everybody's on the same team. Um, a rising tide raises all ships. You could be, the, if you're the fastest growing team in a company that's otherwise spiraling out of, you know, in a downward spiral, eventually you're going to get caught in that downward spiral. So there's enough for everyone. And, and that's really, I think, at the foundation of why we were able to come back is there was a unity in in how we do things, how we see things, and how you know how we and, and how we would define who we are as a company. Yeah. All right. So Dana, to wrap this up, tell us uh, some factual things. What did your okay. business look like after the first four years, and what did it look like after the second four years? So four years in and eight years in. <laughs> well, four years in. It's really funny because. Um, uh, you talk about systems. I mean, my first year I went to um, – uh, I, I wasn't going to go to our company conference because I didn't think I could afford to go, but for a lot of reasons I ended up going, and I heard Randy Gage speak, and he talked about systems. Um, I was brand new in the company, didn't think it applied to me, went home, beat my head against a wall, trying to build this really without a system, just kind of randomly hoping that the right people would show up. And uh, – and I was able to build to about $20,000 a month after four years, and that's when I kind of got discouraged and thought maybe I wasn't right for the business. And then I had my pivotal conversation with Rita, and that was when I um, I did some – I had to really take a hard look at, at myself because really um, at the end of the day, if the business isn't working, honestly, it, it, it's, 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 it's generally not the company – it's it's generally not the plan. It's generally not your team. It's you. And I had to I had to really uh, have a talk with take myself out to the woodshed, and um, um, and I, I I did that. And I um, called Randy Gage, and with his help, uh, put together a system. You know, it wasn't it, it wasn't earth shattering. It was just a, it was it was just kind of making sure that. Uh, I was able to get in front of a. I had a way to get in front of enough people a month because if if you're kind of doing this haphazardly, you don't get in front of as many people as you need to. This is a numbers game. So at the end of four years, I was at 20. I implemented a system, and what was really funny is that once I implemented a system, my volume doubled the next year, and I went to our you know our car level, and that first event that I went to, we were celebrating someone who in the same time that it took me to get to the first level, got to this level. Um, and, and he had done it, uh, by, you know, because he has, he was a stylist and, you know, one of the things, a hairstylist, and one of the things that Randy talked about was that, um, you know, a system works when anyone can engage in the system. They're not relying on the nature of their business. 
so four years later, I'm walking across the stage for achieving the car level, and uh, this guy was our keynote, and he talked about how he walked out of there and lost his business, and he had just he lost the title and had just gotten it back. And so we, in reality, got to the same point in the same amount of time. And that's why I always tell people never compare your journey because you don't know really what somebody else's journey is because we tend to only see the high points. We don't see their low points. And so a lot of people you know, see my success and they don't see that at the four-year point I was done. I just didn't think that this was for me. And I, um, I, I, I reengaged, uh, implemented a system, and then four years later, uh, my business was well over a million dollars a month. So, you know, I, I just I think this is you, you, we, we can't compare. We just can't compare. And uh, you 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 know you've said it. I've said it. Hype defeats people. So um, comparison is a form of of comparing somebody's best with your worst. And um, you know if you if you've heard you know if you if you're listening. Never, just don't give up. Just keep going because this business works. I, I, I had to, I had to talk to more people. It, it was get over myself and tell the story to more people. Um, and I know that Richard, you're big on numbers, so you, you're going to ask me numbers next. No, I'm not. Um, not. No, I'm going to ask you something else. Um, I'm going to ask you because we're running out of time. I'm going to ask you, um, what is the one thing? that you did probably early on in your career uh, might be one conversation you had with one person, might be somebody you didn't talk to, might be somebody you talked to but you regret what you said, might be that you got distracted. I don't know what it is. What's the one thing that you can think of that you did early on in your career, maybe the first 10 years, that has, you believe, cost you the most amount of money? One thing that I did that cost me the most amount of money. It would be a mistake. Yeah. I, there's quite a few running through my head, so I'm trying to think <laughs> about what's the, what's the, what was the most costly mistake. Um, I would say it, was, it, w- it would be this. Uh, as a leader... It's really easy to to criticize. It's really easy to find fault. It, it's it's really easy to um, to tell people, you know, you need to talk to more people. What's like like it's 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 not it, it, it we can very easily fall into a trap of of pointing out what people aren't doing and not what they are doing. And one of the things that I, so I would say you know, I, I, that as a leader, I have, I have um, taken people out at the knees with my words. Yes, my and, friend Janine Avila has coached me, and she's uh, coined a, a great phrase around it. She says, Richard, when I'm failing, I don't need to hear about my weaknesses, I need to hear about my strengths. Yeah. So, okay, got that. Next question, what is the one skill, the one skill, the one belief, the one habit that you believe has resulted in, in the majority of your success? If you could attribute it to one thing that has contributed the most, what would that be? I have a great work ethic, and I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make in network marketing is mistaking flexibility for time leverage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watch people, yeah. you know, they sign that contract and they're like, wow, I can do what I want. And the reality is you have to be the best employee you've ever had. So I, you know, I, I, while I, I see this business as a way to be able to execute around your priorities, 
I also recognize it's a team sport, and team sports mean that if there's a team activity that might that that's something that I might want to do has to take, you know, if my upline is, you know, they're hosting a call, I need to be on the call. Even though there might be something else I'd rather be doing, I need to be on the call. And that is what I've been really, really good at is disciplining myself to prioritize um, what I needed to do and recognizing that what I was doing, that this was the um, – was the foundation for allowing me to have my, to live my life the way I wanted and to be able to execute around priorities. And so this needed to be a, a huge priority, not just, um, well, you know, I've got to volunteer at my kid's school. Well, you know what? I've got a, a team call, and volunteering is um, it's, it's, an, it's important, but it doesn't help me it, it, it's not it's not my priority and um right. so so like one way you could look at that is people do get in network marketing because we promote you can choose your own hours and you can mm-hmm. live wherever you want you can work wherever you want and probably the part that we're not clear enough on is you know it this is not a job but if it were a job and you didn't do three presentations a week mhm you'd be fired your second or third week. Yeah. Because and if you don't do three or four presentations a week, you will not be successful. Yeah. And so, you know, part of what has contributed to our profession's reputation and our image is most distributors, you know, if there's 10 million people in the United States, most distributors are not even making $1,000 a month. Why? Because they're not doing three presentations a week. They're not even doing one presentation a week. Exactly. Why why aren't they doing th- because they're not asking 10 people or 15 or 20 people a week if they can do a presentation. Exactly. They're not doing the work. Exactly. And exactly. So you, you, and you bring up a great point that we don't want to confuse freedom with a lack of responsibility or accountability because there is a job component to this. Your job is to work for you, your business. And mm-hmm. What you might want to do is sit down and have a performance appraisal with yourself and say, have I been talking to enough people so I'm doing three or four presentations a week, and if I was somebody's employee, would they keep me a distributor or would they let me go? Exactly, exactly. And and there's other parts of this business that are non-negotiable as well, and one of those is being plugged in. Yep. We have got to plug in. It, it's It's impossible, I think, I mean, I know I spent several years without the ability to plug in, and that is hard. It it makes this so much harder. You, we we need to be plugged in, and when we when when events become negotiable in our head, th- then we are making the business negotiable. Yeah, um, there's never there's never been anybody in the history of network marketing that was successful in building a network that say even earned, you know, $5,000 a month that did not go to the key local and national events. It's mandatory. It's mm-hmm. just something you have to figure out, you know, how do you afford it and how do you carve the time out? It's not something that you get to say, you know, I'll go if it doesn't conflict with other things. I'll go if I have the money. If you're in this business with the intention of being successful, you have to go. It's not negotiable. It's not optional. It doesn't have anything to do with whether it's convenient or even if you want to go. If you want to be successful, you have to go. Yeah. So now what you get to do is figure out what do you need to do so that you can go because mm-hmm. making it optional, skipping, you know, you know, going to every other meeting, you know, that's like doubling a penny every other day. And the difference between doubling a penny every day for a month is $5 million. And the, and how much doubling a penny every day is if you double it every other day is $187 or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between first place and nobody can remember who was in second place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. makes all the difference in the world. The last yep. question I want to ask you, Dana, is what is Dana Collins's future in network marketing, in leadership, in wealth building, in servant leadership, 
What does it look like? What are you up to in the next five years? What are you building? What are you creating? Who are you serving? What's the legacy you're creating? Well, um, I um, in the next five years, I see, okay, so this is selfish, but I really want to get my son involved in the business because he's the best networker I've ever met in my entire life. I want him to come spend a month with you, Richard. Uh, you, you'll just, like, think he's you'll you'll get along so well and uh but see then i'd have to worry about that you recruit him first because i have to wait till he's 18 <laughs> but we'll recruit him. does he play golf does he play poker does he ride harleys does he is he a practical joker or is he gonna bore me what are, what's what are we gonna do he you will laugh the entire time you're with him he's hysterically right, he funny he's he hysterically come. funny and he'll, he'll he can talk to anyone and he's literally recruited two of my top you know i've got five direct really like that built my business he's sponsored two of them um, and he just has a well, knack he's, for he's making money yeah maybe he but, and i can go shoot some more uh super mlm man videos that would be there fun you if go he's funny. Oh, he, he oh that would be hilarious so i um i'm looking forward to like i see i see involving my family in this more and more and um, Arbon is now starting to open up markets um, that are international, and 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 I want to uh, be able to travel with my family all over the world and experience um, different cultures and and meet people in probably every country on the globe. That uh, that I I mean, if I would love to just you know go to every country that is safe. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> and and um, but I, I I I see doing this with my family, and I just I I see um, uh, just being able to share this industry, this profession, uh, with people that may never ever you know have an opportunity like this, um, and and just I I don't know I I can see it in my head, and and I see. Just this, you know, being able to create, having, being impacted by people that, you know, that are, you know, it, like a, just people, just having my life impacted by people all over the globe, and being able to do the same for for other people. And I see, I, I see working more within the greater profession of network marketing and linking arms with the, the people in this profession because I think we're all very, we're people who want to make a difference. We want to. Um, make the world a better place. We want to leave the world better than we found it, and I, I think this vehicle allows us to do that. And I, and I see working with more and more of the profession to make that happen, um, and, and elevating the profession in that way by being um, by by creating more of a a unity. Because I think unity is so important. Obviously, you know, I've, I've said this before, but building that unity within the leadership of the network marketing profession uh, so that we are more professional than, than any other, uh, than any other business model, any other way of doing business that people see us in a, in a way that we have never been, that we've, that, that we're, we're, because I see we're going to get to a point where people are not going to go uh, network marketing. They're going to go, which network marketing company should I be with? And where, where we can support each other, so that whatever company people get, people, company people choose, we're not bashing each other. We can honestly say, "I'm so glad you're part of this profession too." Yeah. you know what yeah. I see, uh, Dana yeah. is, um, you know, Rita Davenport is one of the rare, extraordinary gifts to our profession. She's inspired hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, yeah. maybe thousands, of leaders like yourself to break the chains of, you know, the nine to five uh, and, you know, the corporate job or even the menial job just to get by. She's inspired people like you, perhaps by calling them heifers, um, <laughs> you know, to to break free and build freedom and become leaders. And, you know, at some point, you know, Rita is not going to continue to travel the world and inspire people. Mm -hmm. And she's going to look to people like you 
to take that gift that she gave you and share it with the world like she shared it with your own style, but at the magnitude that she shared it. And I see that for you, for sure. We are at time, Dana Collins, and I I want to thank you immensely for um, sharing your your story. It's an epic story, uh, a lot of great lessons in it, and I trust that uh, there was a lot of your team members on it that maybe haven't heard some things that they heard from you tonight that will inspire them, and team members from a lot of different companies that got these nuggets that you laid out tonight. So thank you, you, Dana Collins, for being on the call. Thank you all. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and of course his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, head to blissbusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. 